We are ex-Overland, and over the past 10 years, my wife and I have established a business doing what we love. Throughout the last 10 years, we have built over 20 Overland vehicles that have taken us and our team around the world as we film our adventures. My name is Clay Croft, and I am the founder and CEO of ex-Overland. On this podcast, we take a deep dive beyond what the camera can capture to offer you as much insight into the world of Overland travel as possible. If you haven't heard the news, Overlander Network just got even better. Overlander Network is the place to find all of X-Overland's legacy and most current premium content, along with our popular masterclass series teaching you how to build your Overland vehicle from stock. With Overlander Network, you can now watch on your favorite devices through the new Overlander Network app. You can download all your favorite content to take with you on the trail and enjoy ad-free, family-friendly entertainment. You can watch video versions of this podcast, enjoy monthly live streams, and of course, be the first to watch the Nordic series before anyone else. Right now, you can test drive Overlander Network for free for three full days. Take the wheel at overlandernetwork.com. Welcome everybody to the X Overland podcast. I am super excited today because sitting here across from me for the second time since we started this podcast are Richard and Ashley Giordano. Welcome you two. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks, Thanks for, having, for us. having us back. Absolutely. And we have a different environment this time because uh, first time we were sitting in the four-wheel camper out there in front of the hangar, right? Yeah, it must have been busy that day if we were relegated to the driveway. Yes. But this is nice, too. Yeah. Yeah, it Love feels it. a little more like a studio here, right? Yes. Everything's a little more polished. And Richard, I see you have come prepared with a cup of coffee. As did you. I have. This is this is my little boost. I've learned that podcasting is like you got to get that fresh caffeine boost before the conversation. Yeah, some of these podcast people are like drinking whiskey and this and that. And it's like, how? Like, I, I need to be buzzing with caffeine. Yeah, <laughs> if I was drinking whiskey right now, this would last 20 minutes and I'd be asleep. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's flip. Speaking of minutes, we'll flip the hourglass, which has become a device of ours and allows us all to keep its actual hourglass. Ah, perfect. That, that Yes, when that sand goes through, that will be an hour. Perfect. The physics of which are astonishing to me. Like somebody a lot smarter than me figured out how to make all that work, I guess, with glass. But I'm just going to stare at it for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome back. Um, I think we should begin by talking about, you know, what are you two doing here at Tehanger right now? Why are we, why are we having this opportunity to podcast? It's uh, a good question. Um, no, we are en route to Texas. We're going to go ship our 2008 Tundra that we kind of built a little house on the back with, but we're going to ship that truck from Galveston, Texas to Southampton, UK, and then start traveling a little bit of Europe, a little bit of Northern Africa, if all goes well. Okay. We're going to dive deep into that one. Yeah. Um, before we do... Does your being here have anything to do with working on edits for the Nordic series? It does not. Not at all. Not so at all. So you guys are here. You're not doing any Nordic series post-production. No, we're just watching. Wow. Yeah, just so enjoying. We, we get to every yeah. once in a while, whenever there's a little clip ready or there's an episode ready, you know, like a sneak a quick peek. Yeah. See what kind of excitement we, excitement we got up to this summer. But okay. other than that, no. no. All right. So you... you Literally are then just spooling things up and getting ready for your departure, which I can't wait to go all into that journey. I mean, I'm very excited to talk about that. Um, before we go there, though, like my, I had a false perception you were doing post-production work. Yeah. I'm glad for you, too, that you're not, that you have the freedom away from that. But you were, in fact, on the Nordic series. We were. As, as members of the team. Um, so let's begin there. Like, what what was that like? Uh, what kind of experience did you have? You know, working with XO again and being on an expedition, and then also just overlanding through Europe. You know, what was that like for you guys? You go first. Okay. Um, for me, I think this is the first real big XO trip that I've been on. Um, we've done. We did uh, Great Pursuit, and Ashley and I went up to Tuk Tuk Tuk, but all of those were two or three weeks at a time. Uh, this one, I was gone for nine weeks total. Okay, yeah, so for listeners' benefit, like if uh, you're only listening, you're not on Overlander Network watching this, in the background we have a picture of Richard and Ashley beside the Arctic Ocean, and that was the tuck to duck, tuck to... <laughs> <laughs> say it three Easy times for you fast. to say. 
<laughs> tuck to yuck tuck. Perfect. Trip um, for your solo series for Expedition Overland. Um, and then the, the other one was The Great Pursuit. And you were, you were both on The Great Pursuit. Yes. I, re- I recall. Okay. So this, the Nordic would be your third X Overland expedition like being a I would say yes okay yeah because I think I was on one episode of the Overlander series before that that was kind of like the test and somehow I didn't get fired right away you passed so um yeah I think that yeah the Nordic series was the big was was the third I think okay and I remember Ashley's backstory of like boldly approaching Clay. I think it was like at Expo West or something. Be like, where are the women at on your show? Come on, Clay. I, Whoops. I'm here. I'm ready to go. And he's like, yeah, okay. Next thing you know, things are happening. Yep. Um, but on this expedition, you're both on the expedition. Different times, though. Richard, you're on the entire expedition. Mm-hmm. And Ashley, you jumped in at Iceland? Correct. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So, Richard... Uh, Let's start with you then, since you were there at the beginning, mm-hmm. right? Um, what was that like being, knowing that you were on board, right, for this, for the whole thing? And what, what were your roles? Okay. Um, I was very, very excited to be, not only to be on the trip and to experience all the places that we were going to go, go to and, and see, but mostly just to have a camera in my hand for a long period of time. You were excited to have the camera yeah. in your hand. Yeah, just go to work yeah. and be there and do it every day for eight or nine weeks. Oh, man, that says so much, just, too, about loving what you're doing. Yeah, I was able to kind of tidy up all the loose ends from every other client and all my other work ahead of time. So I just had one focus. It was just this trip. And I woke up in the morning thinking about it, and I went to bed thinking about it. And and you were I, doing photos and video. Yeah, so I was doing... Work. Uh, I was lead photographer. I was lead videographer as well. I was the drone cam op for the Inspire 2. And I did all the ditting. So I backed up all data and managed all of the data that we, we filmed every day. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So you were getting just tired, going around the clock. Getting tired thinking about it again. Yeah. <laughs> but it sounds like you loved it. It was great. Uh, you know, by a week six or seven, there were definitely times when I was like, Clay, I need to sleep a little later than... 6 30 or 7 o'clock but because you're offloading into the night yep okay. always the last one up but in reality i was usually the first one up making a cup of coffee so <laughs> that was my own doing yeah yeah well that that's one of the things that definitely gets me out of bed in the morning as a coffee lover is just knowing that that great cup of coffee is coming as yeah. soon as i get going and i think the a little lack of sleep was it was definitely worth sacrificing that that little sleep for the enjoyment I got from waking up before anybody else, yeah. firing up the stove, boiling the water, brewing the coffee, pressing the French press. Going through that little ritual. Yeah. So I, I think there might be something here for listeners, um, given what you two do. And you know, this is stuff that we'll be looking at real soon in the podcast, like what you're getting ready to go do. But a lot of people probably uh, see what you do as enviable. And would also, you know, love to be somehow making a living as overlanders. But what I heard you just say is very telling, which was one of the things that excited you about going on expedition with us here recently with Nordic was being behind the camera full time. So then the thing I'm thinking that listeners might pick up on here is that if you want to do this kind of thing for a living where you're, you're creating media while you're overlanding, um, it might be helpful if you have as much of a love for that art form um, as you do for overlanding itself. Yeah. I think both of us have a love to tell stories. Okay. So, yeah. And, and Ashley is usually coming in uh, the written form. And I mostly taking photos and video. But it's really fun documenting, documenting what we're doing. I enjoy it a lot. Mm-hmm. And it gives work. a kind of purpose to it too, doesn't 100%. it? hundred percent. Yeah. When we were doing our Pan American highway trip back in the day, we actually chose to document that trip in the form that we are using now. Like I was writing a blog and Richard was doing photography while we were on that trip, but we weren't doing it as a job. We just felt inspired to do it along the way. 
So yeah, we've been doing it for a while, I guess, but not in an official capacity, I guess. But yeah. Well, I was just talking with Clay and Rochelle about what it's like to be a couple um, traveling together, overlanding together and cultivating a business together. And even though XO looks a a little different than what you two do as far as like the size of this enterprise and all the different facets of it, um, you two still as a couples team are very much cultivating a business together as content creators. Uh, So, you know, it'll be, it's interesting for me to ask that question, having just spoken with them, like, what does that look like for you two? And what are your, I would say, what are your challenges as a couple doing that? And what are the rewards too? Ooh. I don't know if we're good to ask because we, I don't know, like our relationship is very easy. So we get along really easily and we don't need a lot of time apart and away from each other to be independent. I mean, maybe Richard will have a different answer. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I would say the benefit of that is that our work lends well To to each other. See, he just finished my sentence. works well together (laughs) but yeah yeah I could be writing um an article on just about anything and I know that there's a photographer that I can utilize (laughs) you know to complement my writing and make things look as best as they can um so the storytelling the imagery and the writing together I think works out really well for us as a team and uh yeah and usually Usually we're working on separate projects. So you're writing for Overland Journal or Expedition Portal, and I get to give you photos or we get to take photos together for, for whatever you're writing. And then if I'm working on something else, you can come in and help me. It's, and then every once in a while, we have one project that we're working on together. That's mm-hmm. like a joint effort, which like the Overlander Network series that we're going to film will be a joint effort in a lot of ways. But it's nice to have a little diversity along the way so that we're, you know, you've got your own thing, more or less. I've got my own thing. And then there's another project we get to work on together. So it's not the same thing day in and day out. It's, you know, very diverse every single day. Totally different. Yeah, that sounds like a nice balance. It should be interesting to see going forward when we're working on the storytelling aspect and the filming, how we're going to work together in that capacity. Uh, We haven't done a lot a lot of that I don't mostly think mostly yeah the trip up to the to Tuktoyak Tuk I mean we did a little bit of that for sure and then obviously communicating you know for an article what do I need in terms of photography I can't just be like oh he's a photographer just take whatever you think looks good and I realized that I have to be more specific and say you know it would be nice to have this vehicle shot like this with these details or this product shot with these details and just explain myself a bit more. Cause I was like, Richard's great. Just take care of it. <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, so communication is key. Yeah. That's just what I <laughs> took the words out of my mouth. I didn't need to host that one. <laughs> so it was like, yeah, it sounds like it's all about communication. Sure is. Um, yeah. So, so uh, you, you're, you're loving what you're doing over there, mm-hmm. uh, Richard, as far as you know, like on Nordic, you got the camera in your hand almost 24 seven. Yep. Um, a lot of different tasks you're managing there. What had you have you been to Northern Europe, Scandinavia before? Or was that a whole new place for you? That, that was the first time I set foot in Europe at all. So at all at in all. Europe at all. Yep. Okay. So Other than Poland, like Frankfurt yeah. Airport, that's probably. <laughs> so here's a fun way to look at it, and then we're you know we'll be moving into Iceland. But um, since Ashley joined you when you got to Iceland, mm-hmm. you, you didn't. She wasn't on the expedition until Iceland. Where do you want to go back? Norway. To visit with Ashley. Norway, 100%. Norway, 100 Why? Why Norway? It just felt good. Um, the landscapes, there's, they're just amazing. There are just countless hikes that I saw. You know, I was, I was on um, all trails while we're driving through a lot of the times, especially through some of the fjords. I'm like, okay, there's a hike here, there's a hike here, a little, like, 800 meters there. So you're like, mark this, mark this, there. mark this. And, <laughs> yeah. we, like, things that you don't have time for on an exo trip, but that we would have time for. Yeah. I also thought going back in the winter would be fun for a ski trip. I don't know. Lots yeah, of, because lots you two like to tie, tie in hiking and other, like, outdoor activities with your overlanding, yeah, correct? for sure. Yeah. Yeah, the more often we get out of the truck, the better. 
Uh, yeah, I'm kind. Of, I'm seeing that, seeing that vibe from you guys, yeah. like checking out your content, and and it's. Uh, I think that's really. I think that speaks to a lot of people today who are into overlanding and using their overland platforms to do other things that they love to do, mm-hmm. um, in a way that gives them more access. You know, um, just creates a better environment, like where they can stay in that in the field for longer, that type of thing. Um, so. Ashley, you meet up with the expedition in Iceland. For both you, Iceland, is this a first? Yes, for sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, what did you what did you guys think of Iceland? Is it Ooh. super cool? <laughs> I loved it so much. You didn't want to leave? I actually uh so I was on planning and navigating, researching, putting together an idea of where we were gonna go and what we were gonna see and where we were gonna camp. And so I really did a lot of work ahead of time and pre-planned a lot of things just so that we could we had options you know if clay's like well where are we going today i could say we have these three plans that we could do what do you think is best for a story or what do you think is best for camera work etc so anyways i had seen all this stuff online and been looking at specific places and i was already excited just from that. And then I got there and everything was like a thousand percent more awesome than I ever anticipated, which is pretty crazy to think about. Yeah. Oh, totally. When you do that research ahead and you're, you're stoked by what you're seeing, right? You get there and it's like so mind blowing. You you can't even really plug in a lot of the stuff you've researched because even this thing that you didn't even think about is super cool. Yes. Like right there. So you were like in, it sounds like in the same role that say Kurt Williams was in, in the first part of the series. Yes. Yep. Yeah. That was a new role for me, uh, yeah, which was a- really exciting and I had a lot of fun with it and I felt like it suited my skills really well. Um, love planning and researching and I did do that all the time for our own trips. So yeah, it went, I think it went well. It felt good. And then I was also um, driving and cooking camp chef okay yeah mm-hmm. driving and camp chef we were teaming up some well Rochelle was gone by then she left after the Faroe yep. islands right so yeah so you were jumping into two major roles there yes. that were abandoned with the <laughs> maybe that was in the, the right word uh we're left vacant after uh Kurt and Rochelle had head back to the states um okay well Iceland uh, Iceland sounds amazing just from everything I've heard about it. And are, are, is that a place that you both would like to go back to and travel it in your own way? Yes, for sure. Um, I'd like to go back in the winter just to mix it up. We like to in the make, winter. You're yeah. into this winter stuff. Is know. that being, from being a Canadian? I don't know. I think it's just a diff- totally different experience. Um, one of the things that's really, really cool in Iceland um, is that they, they've got a lot of dirt roads that are crisscrossing across the island and they're very particular about making sure that people don't drive off of those dirt roads those engineered roads during the summertime just to protect all the land surrounding it but in the winter once there's enough snow on the ground you can essentially if you have big enough tires and you air them down you can drive anywhere because you're not um, causing any damage to the to the land under the snow mm-hmm. so all of a sudden the opportunities for these different places that you can travel to and the glaciers you can travel on are wide open. Yeah. So I think it'd be a fun experience. Oh, I could totally, I can, I now understand what you're talking about there entirely. Uh, Just being someone who's a dirt biker and a snowmobiler, you know, in the summer on a dirt bike, you obviously have to stay on the single track on the trails and it's fun and you see a lot of country, but come winter, backcountry's covered with snow uh, in some areas, you can just take the sled anywhere you can ride it. So it's like yeah. a whole new world. Um, it sounds very similar to that. Yeah, it was. Uh, and that, that was, yeah, exactly the case. So it'd be really interesting to go back and see that. And I don't know, get a we chance to borrow an Arctic too. truck maybe. <laughs> what, what? <laughs> maybe we can borrow an Arctic truck or we can, we can build something cool like that one day. But yeah, sorry. I like that. Oh, I was going to say there were specific areas of the island we didn't get to that we would be nice to go see and round up the experience. Yeah. Yeah, Lots to see. Okay, so speaking of trucks, 
right? These Arctic trucks sound cool. And I'm sitting here thinking of your new truck and like imagining it with tires that size. And like, <laughs> I wonder if while they're there, they could throw some wheels and tires on like that. Or is that an entirely different, different build? But, uh, parked right next to us here in the hangar while we're podcasting mm-hmm. is your new overlanding outfit. Um, we know there are a lot of people who love Little Red, including yourselves, and that's a beloved overlanding vehicle out there in the space. Yep. But uh, tell us about your new vehicle. Um, you know, why, what? I think the history is pretty interesting, actually, yeah. about that, because it is a 2008, and we've had it for... Five years? Yeah. 2008 what? Toyota Tundra. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And yeah. so last, when was this? Last year, 18 months ago, we went to Baja and we took our, took our red truck with Go Fast Camper on it. And oh, I think was, I remember you guys coming here to pick that up. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. We, we at least drove through on that trip. So we spent a lot of time working on that trip and realizing how it was nice to have a little bit of indoor living space but it's definitely not, hmm. We could have used a little bit more space um, when two of us were working at once. We could have used a little bit more power in, in terms of the electrical system. And we could have used a shelter that was just a little, a little bit more robust, I think. Yeah. Um, we, we dealt with a lot of wind when we were down in Mexico on wind, that trip. Wind is a thing in Baja, isn't it? Yeah. I think I'm doing some of my own research, a buddy of mine, and I want to take adventure bikes down there yeah. next year. And I keep finding wind. Yep. <laughs> it's a thing. Exactly. Yes. So uh, we did our best to escape it, get, you know, we're crisscrossing the island or the peninsula back and forth mm. or trying to get kind of in the middle of it. But at some point, there was a few points where we're like, okay, we have to get an Airbnb and just settle at one spot and just crank out a bunch of work. Which is which works, but that combined with not having air conditioning, combined with a truck that makes a hundred horsepower, combined with a few other things, didn't really. It's not really conducive to being efficient on the road in terms of being able to do any work while also traveling and while doing all these yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, this all makes sense to me. Like I, I think a little red and the the charm of little red was really, you know, it, that it also represents a stage in your lives together as overlanders, you know, both as a couple and as overlanders. And that, you know, this was new to you. You were just starting to explore and discover what overlanding was all about. And uh, that was a charming first platform. But, you know, here you sit uh, many years later and you're what I would define as fully fledged travelers, overlanders, your professionals within the space. Um, you're obviously going to need a little more capability in your vehicle to to meet the demands that are on your life now with what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean that in a good way, right? There's a lot of exciting mm-hmm. stuff you're, you're doing and you need more capability to do it, I would say. Yeah, and it's funny because I always feel like I'm selling out in some way. Like, we should be able to do it. We, we should be should. able to just be tough. Yeah. That's what I always think too. Yeah, but then at the same time, on that trip back, back north from Baja, we're like, I don't know, maybe, maybe we should think about something else. Mm-hmm. So we went through all the combinations and permutations of different vehicles and different size vehicles and, you know, what we thought might do the job. We made a list of the, our wants and needs. As a couple, you guys sat down and did all yeah. this. Yeah, mostly. Very cool. Yeah, and by sat down and talked about it, we were probably driving, you know, 22RE just blaring, stereo over top of that. And just sweating and dirt everywhere. And this is um, a little red and Baja. Yeah. <laughs> it was really about um, thriving, not surviving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if we weren't, if we were in the position we were in when we were young people back in the day and we weren't working, I think that that would change things completely 100%. and we could take little red on all sorts of adventures. But to do it long term and it to be sustainable in the way that we want it to, we thought something more comfortable and something more enclosed and whatever would be a good fit. So yeah, that's, those were the requirements when we were sitting down talking about the different things that we, we thought would be nice to have. Um, I really, I, th- I think there's a lot of value for listeners to break that down because you two are media professionals who are getting ready to be full-time overlanders doing that. And so there are a lot of other people I think who dream of doing that or would, you know, in some way like to do that. Um, so what were the the key items for you in your, in your vehicle build, right? That, 
that you knew you had to have to, mm. to do what you're doing. Um, yeah, I think one of, it, one of them was having a vehicle with air conditioning. A vehicle with <laughs> yeah. air conditioning. Not, yeah. not even talking the camper part. No. Was, no. <laughs> vehicle with air conditioning, a vehicle that had some sort of support um, in many places around the world. Um, that, and that's why a Toyota. That's why a Toyota. And but also, because Little Red is a 1990, I think we're finding that that's actually becoming a little bit more difficult to find parts for in certain areas. And mm. we thought, oh, it's older, it's mechanical, et cetera. Like we can find parts for this everywhere. But the reality is that in a lot of countries, people are actually driving things that are newer. Yeah. And so. I, I think if North America, South, Central, Mexico, Central, South America, parts everywhere for that thing still. But Little Red yeah. for a 1990. Yeah. But uh, as we, you know, as we go elsewhere, definitely going to be harder and harder to find parts. So so it sounds like there's a sweet spot there in a year for a vehicle. For sure. Not so new and state-of-the-art that you're never going to find parts anywhere, but not so old that when you get into more developed areas, right? Exactly. So we huh. thought, and we didn't even, we didn't mean this to happen with the Tundra. It happened to be sitting in our driveway. And for the longest time, we, we thought this vehicle is too big to do ever, anything that we want overseas. You know, you get, sometimes you get stuck in these small towns with these narrow roads. As we saw in the Faroe Islands, the roads are just, you know, a foot wider. These one, one way or two way roads are a foot wider than a Tundra. So it can be daunting to take a full size North American truck out of North America. Yeah, yeah, that so, makes sense. But I, <laughs> I made, I took some measurements and I noticed that, you know, this truck's not any wider than a Sprinter. And you see Sprinter vans all around the world. And, you were talking uh, yeah, to Dan. Europe. Yeah, I was, oh, thinking, sorry. I was thinking, talking to our friend Dan from Molly Mish. And they, they've been, they traveled Europe in, in a Sprinter with their three kids, Dan and, and, um, Dan and Marlene. Dan and Marlene. And what Dan said was, everywhere in the world, you see people delivering beer in Sprinter vans. And he's like, if they can't get to a town with a Sprinter van to deliver the beer... I don't want to go there. It's <laughs> right. obviously joking, but I was like, I like it. It's genius. So we kind of made the decision that Tundra size might work for us. And then, I don't know, you do a little bit of research and see how many parts are interchangeable between a Tundra, a second gen Tundra and a 200 series Land Cruiser. And it starts making sense that it's not such a North American based platform when like drivetrain is very, has like shares a huge percentage with the Land Cruiser, the 5.7, and then the front brakes and bearings and all that, very similar as well. So we'll uh, see. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. So, you know, I used to have this a second gen Tundra 2010 that I, I loved and still regret selling. Um, but I are they, do you find, is that only a North American model? I mean, most, I would say most parts of the world? We didn't see... So I didn't see any in Europe, but I saw yeah. a lot in Iceland. We saw a lot in Saudi Arabia when we weren't there this year. I saw a lot of sequoias in Saudi Arabia, which is something that was kind of surprising to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, once we did, we just sort of travels in 2022, kind of opened my eyes to see that, yeah, those trucks are around. Yeah, and so, then you have that interchangeability with 200 series which cruisers. Are everywhere. All right. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. And that 5.7 V8 is just got a bulletproof reputation in a, in their several million mile. Yeah. And this one's got 120,000 miles on it. So it's yeah, still so it's just getting fresh. started. Hopefully that's <laughs> <Yeah>. the goal. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's a double cab, right? It is a double cab. Yep. Okay. And um, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, uh, yeah, it's a, part of the thing with the Tundra is like, it's, it still has a limited payload cause it's a half ton ish truck. So the big thing to make this work for us was to decrease weight wherever possible. So I put an anti-gravity lithium battery in the front and that shaved 55 pounds off the front end. I pulled the back seat out, which was 105 pounds. Uh, When we did the mitts alloy flatbed, we removed the rear drawer, which was another 150, 200 pounds. And we had to be very, very conscious about like after stripping all this weight off the truck, not to add too much back on. And it's just been, it's been a process, but it's fun. Man, I think that's so useful. Like, so your starter battery, is that a lithium then? Yeah, it is. And how do you feel about that? Like as a starter battery, as a guy who likes going to where it's winter and cold. 
So yeah, this thing's rated to minus five or 10 Celsius. That's like a normal working everyday um, temperature. And then I added a, uh, a battery warmer to the outside of it with a little bit of insulation. So if it drops below that, the battery warmer, actually the battery warms itself with the warmer and in turn is self-heating. So it kind of warms right. from the inside and the outside. And I've had good luck down to minus 22 or 24. Okay. Celsius. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, and I've, what is it at minus 30 or 40 when the, when the two meet? When they converge, yeah, yes. Yeah. Oh, h- how do I know? Because it's been a specially cold winter in Bozeman <laughs> yes. this year with minus 40 like Fahrenheit temperatures. Um, and I think we're about ready to deep dive again here in the next couple of days. Yep. So that's why I'm asking because I've thought about the lithium option, right? Yeah, it's, and it's like, well, how are you doing that exactly? Mm-hmm. It's a little high maintenance, but... I mean, know, fingers we, crossed we won't be overlanding in those temperatures. Yep. Yeah, where we're going, hopefully. Yeah, I mean and that's kind of part of why we're leaving. We're like, mm. <laughs> yeah, it's we been winter for a few here. years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think for us, it was easier to make some changes to this truck to make it work rather than start with something fresh. Yeah, yeah. And it sounds like too, like I love your uh, almost like a backpacker's mindset towards your truck build in terms mm-hmm. of weight. Right, like, well, we took a little here, we took a little here, and a little there, it and then adds the cl- up. It adds up, and maybe people should also be thinking about that when they are accessorizing or even bringing gear. Yeah, like how what do the math? You know, what does that really add up to? Yeah, and for us, it, this truck used to have full length steel skid plates. Got rid of those and put a TRD Pro aluminum front skid plate on, so that saved 150 pounds. Mm-hmm. I didn't put a winch in the truck, so that saved 75 pounds. So. You add all these things up and all of a sudden you're like at 600 pounds of, of weight that could have just been there if I hadn't thought about it or yeah. we hadn't thought about yeah. it. Yeah. And then putting the camper on. So yeah, that was the weight savings was really so that the, um, the camper that we put on wouldn't make it so that everything was super overweight. And the camper is the, um, Overland Explorer vehicles, the Alpine model on a, uh, Mitz alloy flatbed. Yeah. So, so yeah, it, a mitts alloy flatbed. Mitz, mm-hmm. Yeah. So okay. it was a, it was the lightest flatbed we could find, and um, yeah, and the camper's kind of nice because it's it doesn't have an overhang off the back, so it's a little shorter, weighs a little less than well, like a full flatbed camper would would normally mm-hmm. weigh, and lithium batteries in that as well. And Even our camping equipment, like our chairs, are kind of more backpacker style, and our table's really small, and so we're like, trying to go lightweight with everything. Yeah, so a light Primus. Yeah, yeah, and there is where it's like chairs. you know, yeah. like we're, we're talking about that backpacker's mindset. That yeah. How. Even if you're right down to the chairs, right? Like, let's do some of those super lightweight uh, kind of backpacker style chairs. All that just adds up, adds up. And next thing you know, you have 500 pound savings. Yep. So we'll see how it goes. But yeah. so and far, the, so good. And why the Overland Explorer camper? Like, uh, in my opinion, those are very nice. I have a four wheel camper myself, and mm-hmm. they seem like a step up from those in terms of like everything about them feels more like marine grade. Mm. It's, that's, pretty accurate i think even like as de- like all the way down to the components that they use in mm-hmm. terms of the heater all of Vic- so it's like truma heater all victron components the wiring is all marine gray with marine gray connections and so on mm-hmm. and you um, were really impressed with all the wiring yeah. as well it's very neatly done very tidy uh i've heard from a lot of people that uh the campers are over engineered which is great for long-term travel on probably a bunch of crappy roads <laughs> yeah and so what made our decision was when we were we went down to see mario donovan at uh at at overland mm-hmm. and he had his atera camper he had a four-wheel camper hawk flatbed and then he had one of the overland explorer vehicles campers it was the camp m so the smaller one for a mid-sized truck and we sat in each one and kind of just touched and felt and just looked at all the components. It was really nice just to compare and contrast all side by side by side. Yeah. And we kind of, we actually we really we, liked the Atera. We took the Atera out mm-hmm. on uh, Mario's Ram for a couple nights and absolutely loved it. And we spent a couple nights in Clay's four wheel camper Hawk just here in the yard. Yeah. yeah. And, but after all that, we ended up pulling the trigger on, on the uh, OEV one for a few reasons. One, it felt like, it was best suited for the way we travel. So like very overbuilt in terms of like structural design, but also 
and wiring and so on. Um, it's made in Red Deer, Alberta. So yeah, that whole uh, Overland Explorer vehicles, it's Canadian company. Yep, yeah, it is. Which was uh, very helpful for yeah, us. <laughs> helpful um, for the, for the exchange, exchange rate. rate. So not, not having to pay us dollars or something was huge savings. And for, they built it for us in three months. So there were, I think at the time, a Terra was about a year out and four wheel campers was 18 months out. So by the time we decided we wanted it, like, okay, we, we can wait. We don't need it for a few months because we're going to Iceland and doing all this other stuff. But after, as soon as we get back, it'd be nice to have now, it. Now, that, was that because you guys were VIPs or was that their normal? That was their normal. Now, yeah, that's good for listeners to know, too. And imagine yep. someone's listening to this podcast and they just retired at 68 years old and they're going, you know, every year is critical. And four-wheel campers like, yeah, about two years from now. Yep. Right? So they can run up there to Canada and yeah. in a few months have a build. Yep. That's and, worth and knowing. They're, they've got plenty of options now. Uh, we went with this this flatbed version because it suited the truck and suited us. But they have yeah, sliding camper, larger flatbed campers as well. Okay, so this leads us down the path that I'm most excited to go down in this podcast. Mm. Um, because uh, I was doing some research for some content writing and came across uh, Mario's video of his Aterra walk around. Mm -hmm. And in my own dream world of overlanding platforms, I was looking at that with yeah. lustful eyes, right? It's like, oh my God, good this reason. is amazing. Um, and it's the way you could put it together. But then I also started adding up like the AEV Dodge, diesel Dodge, um, whatever kind of uh, platform, you flatbed, you mm -hmm. want to put it on. There are a few different options to go with, but yeah, you're looking at another twenty to 30000 there if you were to customize it the way I have, have in mind. And then the Aterra, the whole thing. And I was like, I think it's time to sell the house and just <laughs> go on the road full time. You need to sell the house to afford that. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of those things like I mean, just all the maintenance aspects of home ownership, too. It's just like, it's like, well, am I going to be dealing with one or the other? And so how that leads us here is that from what I'm hearing, this is exactly what you two are getting ready to do. And there's a tie in here to Overlander Network in the way of content you'll be producing for it. So this is the path I'm really excited about going down with you two. Like, what are you getting ready to do exactly? And what is that going to look like for the network? Um, and how are you going to do it? Ooh, okay. Should have so, prepared for this. I know, yeah. It's your lives, so, you know, <laughs> just, just speak. <laughs> yeah. How would... Yeah, I, I did I talk like, with Clay and Michelle. They're like, no, they can say anything they want. <laughs> There's nothing code red here, so let them let them talk. Cool. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to remember if Richard said where we were going after here, but he did, but yeah, he did. But yeah, um, so yeah, once we get over to the other side of the pond, well, well, Clay was very cryptic filming. about this. Like oh. Clay, Clay was just like, they're going away, <laughs> and they don't. This was like two hours ago, and they don't know even where they're going. Yeah, it's same. not untrue. Same and I was usual. like, this sounds so cool. So, you know, like they're going on. And I mean, and the way he said they're sailing away. And so I was like, wait, they're sailing? Like, are they actually, are they going to go get on a boat, you know, Scott Brady style and head <laughs> off into the Pacific? Or like, what, what's going on here? Not so yet. I, I was like, okay, I'm just going to ask him the question and yes. we'll find out what they're doing. Yeah. So our main goal is to get the truck to Europe, not to travel Europe, but mostly as a stepping off point. So it's sitting here in a hangar now. Correct. And the next step is to get the truck to Europe. Yeah. Get it yes. to a port. And our original plan was to drive to Halifax. You know, we're in Canada. We'll just drive across Canada. And just I, drive across Canada. No it's big just, deal. Just the first little step. But we During figured, winter, it'll be fine. We figured out pretty quickly. Winter came on fast, fast. and hard. Yeah. It's been a big winter too. Yeah. Has, yeah. yeah. November and, 1st. And then when like, we actually what? did some research, we found that Galveston is a thousand kilometers closer than Halifax was to where we were wow. in, in Kelowna or Calgary, okay. wherever we were at the time. We were quite surprised by that actually. Yeah. Yeah. So we thought, okay, well, pretty good option. Drive to Galveston first, make a stop here, get to see everybody. And we've got some other friends farther south. So we'll make a couple stops along the way. So that's the reason for Galveston. And we ended up with the UK because our main goal is just to head south through into Spain and get to Morocco and kind of just, I don't know. I, I'm just excited to sink my teeth into some travel. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I'll get that in Morocco. 
I think also we were originally looking at Belgium, mm-hmm. um, but there is an agreement called the Schengen Agreement, and uh, overlanders or travelers are kind of limited by the time limits that are uh, imposed on us um, in a lot of EU countries. And so you can only spend, what is it, one uh, it is 90, 90 days, days within a 180-day period. Right. And it's a select group this is of for countries. The EU. This is for the this Schengen. This is for Schengen. Which is so, separate, different from EU, the EU countries. But most, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because this whole, like, you know, the carne and visas and, you know, like this is the whole side of overland travel that I think gets addressed, but maybe not enough like people aren't as as aware as they need to be of the challenges that you face when you do that right right so we chose the uk because they're not part of schengen because of brexit and so we the clock doesn't start ticking until we actually leave the uk which is helpful um whereas if we shipped into belgium it would be like those 90 days are ticking down ticking down ticking down but you can get out of it by going to Morocco and South, and I believe Turkey and the UK, and there are probably some other countries, but I haven't really dug into that yet. I know of those ones. Does, so. it, does it reset? Like, so you, you leave the UK, you go into... No, it doesn't it, reset. No. It, They're counting. It's kind of like a revolving visa. So, yeah, within that 180-day period, you have 90 days. Okay. So you can either okay. stay for 90 days, and you have to wait another 90 days, or you can, you can go there for a month and leave for a month, come go for a month, leave for a month. And yeah. This has got to be like, I, I'm just getting intellectually fascinated by this part of overlanding. I, I hope Ashley does an in-depth article on this at some point. Because I actually do have an article coming up. Yeah, about okay. the Schengen rules. Yeah. Yeah, because like mm-hmm. with what I'm, I'm, at least the drift of what I've caught today is that you're loading up your new rig and you are heading out into the world to embark on a lifestyle of full-time overlanding and content creation to earn a living while you're overlanding. Yeah. Yes. Sounds about right. And that's why Clay's like, well, they don't really know exactly where they're going because they are hitting the road and going. Yep. And last time we had an idea of when we were going, we thought, oh, we were originally right after this Arctic trip. Our up to tuk tuk tuk. Our plan was to take our red truck, ship it to Europe, drive east through Central Asia and Russia, get to Japan, and all this fun stuff. And then COVID hit and changed all the plans. So we're trying not to get our hopes up or have these plans yeah. that can't be changed. Mm-hmm. Um, so one step at a time. Wow. Well, yeah. I mean, when when you're making a living, you know, based off of a global environment. You know, even within your own particular country or state, mm-hmm. there can be challenges. But for you all, like the world is your workplace, um, and that's a dynamic workplace, right? With a lot happening. So, yes. but you guys have enough experience to know how to navigate that and get started. And so, what are you doing with Overlander Network that relates to this odyssey? All right, that you are embarking upon. So the plan is we're going to do a twelve-part series, so travel series. Um, on our travels and what we see, what we experience along the way. So it's kind of nice. Um, this trip, the solo series we did up to Tuk 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 kind of was the, f- it was the first time anybody who wasn't Clay and Rochelle went on a trip and filmed it for Expedition Overland. And then this trip is the first time anybody's filmed anything for Overlander Network. So. That's pretty exciting. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, I'm very excited to, again to, like when we did the solo series trip to Tuck, I had no idea what I was doing. I have slightly more knowledge and experience now and just excited to put that to the test and see what happens. And how about Make you, Ashley? Like I remember, you know, in our last podcast, we were really good, and we can put this in the show notes for people who want to know a lot more about Richard and Ashley Giordano, what their backstory is. We have a whole episode on that. Uh, so we'll link that up. But I remember you, I want to say like after you made, you approach Clay and we're like, hey, you need some women on your shows. What are you doing, bro? And let's, let's get this started, <laughs> right? And the next thing you know, you're getting on our expeditions and you're out there. And there was a point, I think it may have been in Great Pursuit where you were like learning driving skills and it was becoming very empowering to you, right? Like you were learning how to do this. And Richard was talking about solo series there to the um, Tuck to Yuck Tuck and everything you were learning there. So how do you feel like on this new adventure 
Like, how have you grown as an Overlander to where you're ready for something like this? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, when we left on the first trip to South America, we didn't, we literally didn't know anything. We were just going and doing it. And now we have such a more well-rounded, um, selection, I guess, of skills and knowledge and abilities. And we know where the resources are. I think that's a huge thing is that if we don't know the answer to something, we know at least where to go to find it, or we Mm -hmm. have a big community that we can access to ask the people who do know. Mm -hmm. And so that's awesome. Um, I also think that it's like, Overlanding is like a muscle in a way. So it's like a muscle that we haven't necessarily strengthened in a long time because we haven't been on the road full time for years. And so there's going to be an adjustment period and we're going to have to learn how to live on the road again. And, you know, at least we've we've done it before, but we're also learning all of these new things along the way. And so, yeah, I think just being more up-to-date in terms of like wilderness first aid and driving and all of those things. But yeah, like resources and knowing where to find them, I think is, is a big thing. Mm -hmm. And also knowing that we can adapt to situations when we're over there um, is one, just like the knowledge of that is great. Also the knowledge that, you know, we don't have to be ready as long as the truck is mostly ready to go. We can get it over there. If we're missing, if I don't have my, an extra pair of pants, I can just buy them. If my shoes wear out, I can buy my shoes. It, anything we need is over there. So we just got to gotta get there and, and start moving. Yeah, that's an excellent takeaway, I think, for people too, whether they're getting ready to take their first weekend trip mm-hmm. or they're going to go to Baja for the first time or their first overlanding trip. Like, they're, Because most people are working, say, com- normal jobs, li- living conventional lives, and this trip is something, like doing an overlanding trip is something they're working toward, there's a tendency to just keep adding the gear and repacking because that's what you get to do while you're waiting for the trip, mm-hmm. right? Which is also fun. And it's fun. It's a lot of fun. And um, But it's also you can delay if you get to the point where you're delaying your trip because of that. Well, we're not going to go this summer because we still need to put, get more of this or more of that. You know, what I hear you guys saying is, is even with the resources you've have and what the experience you have, there's still a certain amount that of kit say that may not be perfectly assembled, but you're like, good enough. We're going, we, we can figure it out as we go. Yeah. I kind of compare it to, what people have said about having kids, they're like, oh, you're not ever necessarily ready. You know, yeah. it's not <laughs> like, I'm going to be that. ready on this day to have kids. It's just like, you just do it whether you're ready or not. I don't yeah. know if that's true. I don't have kids, but it sounds right. You kind of jump in at some point and get started with the whole thing. And so another part, Ashley, that interests me about your situation is as a writer, right? Like, how have you prepared yourself for life on the road? Mm, that's a good question. Um, I've kind of reduced my uh, workload a tiny bit um, because I know that first starting out, we are not going to be efficient. And I know how long things take, like even doing laundry sometimes or whatever. It just takes a lot longer than going to your washer in your house and doing a little laundry, you know. Right. And so I've decreased capacity a little bit in terms of my writing, um, which I think will be good just to take a bit of the edge off while we're getting into the routine of it. Um, but yeah, otherwise I think just being open to the stories and reaching out to people ahead of time so that when we're in a location that we might not be again, or, um, there's a story that's really captivating that I can jump on that opportunity. I think that's another thing that that will be good. I'm very excited about that because there's so many people doing things that are so, so cool, so much cooler than anything we could ever do. And with amazing vehicles or backgrounds or for different reasons for traveling. And it's fun that we have a couple different platforms to share that on now. So like between Overland Journal and Expedition Portal and then the Overlander Network, we'll actually be able to, you know, tell these people's stories who mm. wouldn't, who don't have their own platform. So that that's part of something that you're thinking of doing as content creators, uh, as you travel is finding these stories, mm-hmm. um, uh, of others who are overlanding or are 
doing other things or overlanding specifically? Yeah, I think it depends on what it is, but overlanding or just other cool things. Yeah. Depends on the story, I guess. It was really nice. We had a little taste of it back home, like this last summer, with people being able to travel again, people coming through the Rockies and be able to show you know, show them around our backyard. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, it's like, oh, do you guys mind if we, we do a vehicle feature? Do you mind if we, it's like, oh, even in Iceland with Torvi, we met Torvi and it's like, he's got his 90 Hilux on 40s or 46s, depending on what tires he's running. And just hearing him talk about the truck and why he made all these decisions and the the thought process behind it and the excitement behind it, it's it's so it's so cool to take that and be like, for somebody who would never normally have his vehicle featured, mm. like, or he would never, he would never go and find somebody right, to do that. Right, right. It's like Ashley was like, I need to tell his story. Yeah, there are a lot of people. They're not content creators, but they're overlanders or they're outdoor enthusiasts, yeah. whatever kind, and and they have amazing stories. So as creators, you're seeking out people like that to share their story. Yeah, like, be, dude. there's so many inspiring stories that. I don't know, fun to tell. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Or learning about the area from a local person. It doesn't matter. They could be an overlander. Maybe they're not. I don't mm-hmm. know. I just like really learning about specific things like, I don't know, food or their daily life or just yeah. anything. It's, that's why we do this. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm thinking it's about how, like, for instance, we were, earlier we were talking about your passion for hiking. And how, like, the, the more time out of the truck, the better, actually, as you're overlanding. Um, so there's an example, right? You might find somebody who knows the trails inside and out and loves hiking um, and has an interesting story to tell mm-hmm. from their experiences and could share special places with you guys, perhaps. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, there are so many people out there on that side of the world to talk to and it should be really cool. I have some ideas in mind already, but we'll see what happens. So, so what, uh, yeah, that, you know, for your, you said a 10 part series for Overlander network, Yeah, 10 or 12. I haven't written, haven't signed an agreement yet. So, okay. I'm going with 12, (laughs) you know, one a month. Exactly. It makes sense. I'm already stoked about this series just as a fan, like hearing what you guys are doing. I go back and forth. I'm like, I'm so excited to do this. And then like, can we, yeah. Can I make this happen? Yeah, yeah. You guys sure. can definitely do I'm it. I'm not a good negotiator. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a whole business podcast right there. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll film that, and then we'll go take a break by filming the next XO series. Wherever, I get invited. Wherever it will be. Oh, just take a break. Just take a break. At that point. For eight weeks and go work. <laughs> Ashley, be working on a book project. Would you be going on that one, too? Yeah, we shall maybe. see. We yeah. shall see. So what know. is your, okay, so I, I know. To be uh, fair, I haven't been invited. I was just. Yeah. <laughs> You're hoping. Inviting myself. <laughs> right. Well, it might happen. Um, but I'm, I'm curious, like something I'm very excited about with the Overlander Network is that it gives um, the world a chance to have a network where in addition to Expedition Overland content, which is amazing, um, we get to bring in different voices, different creatives into this space to share their work. And so as a viewer, right, you can, you have choices mm-hmm. and it's all going to be, you know, high quality cinematic level material, but with different narratives and different styles. And so um, as much as I love the XO brand, right. And what we do, I'm really looking forward to your vision of creation as like another alternative on the network. And I hope in the future we have several different overland creators, right, who are bringing that to the network. So I'm curious to know, like, how do you envision your series? Like, what, like, your themes and material, like, what, what will that look like a little bit? So, uh, even spitballing. Yeah, so Ashley's looking at me because she's like, yeah. I see. No, he like. said he has an idea. I've asked him about it. I'm like, what do you think about style and how, what kind of story and yeah. this and that? And he's like, oh, I've got some ideas, but I don't really know the Ron answer. Sweeping ideas. But generally the nice thing that's different from an XO trip is that we travel a lot slower. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping we can kind of dive into a place and really sink our teeth into, you know, a little bit more of the culture, people, food, talk to more, uh, more people who live in that country and get their perspectives on things and get them to teach us 
things rather than us having to make assumptions or read it in a book or look it up on a different YouTube channel, whatever it is. Yeah. I just want to, I want to give as much of our slow travel experience back to whoever's watching. So, so they can have, whoever's watching can feel what we're feeling. Yeah. That's the goal. Ashley? Do you agree? Like, is that, is that what you're picturing for this? Yeah. I think one of my goals for this experience that ties into that is looking at things from kind of like a journalistic perspective. I don't know that I want to create something being like, hey, look at what Ashley and Richard are doing. Like, I'm making pancakes. I don't know. Like, it would just be mm. I think that's important to have those elements. Yeah, but um, something but, a little different. Like, more like, hey, what's really going on in this part of the world? Yeah. Or just giving... I don't know, like showing a perspective maybe you wouldn't expect or having an experience that is different. I, I don't know. We'll, well have to see what it I looks like. I know like how you, you have a, a, a keen interest in women's history and overlanding, for example. And so I think of like just your point of view as you travel the world, right? Like just looking at, well, what is the situation with women here? And how are they treated and what kind of rights do they have and what is their, you know, culture like and what's going on that way as a part of the overlanding experience, like looking at those kind of cultural differences um, would, would be, you know, at least something I think a lot of viewers might be interested in is having that angle because overlanders, you know, they have a chance, it seems to me, to really see the world um, in a more intimate way. If, if you're taking your time, like you're describing and really like, you know, sinking your teeth mm -hmm. into an area and exploring yeah. that. I think that one of our, the reasons why we do this too, is to learn. That's yeah, really at the sure. base of it, to live our life to the fullest and to learn. I think that's what that's at the root of it. Um, and so we've just figured out this is the way that how it works for us to get there. Um, and you'll be trying to share that in your content. Like there'll be an educational component of that, like culture and history and yeah. environment. Yep. Yeah, exactly. For sure. Now, are you guys <laughs> going to be going on little side adventures like hikes? And it's like, yeah. you know, here we are, we're in, uh, you know, the UK and there's this particular hike and that's what we're doing today and putting that on film as well. That's the plan. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yep. Yeah, nice. we will. Uh, it's going to be fun because we have a, general idea and then i know that as we dive deep into it it's going to change and shift and sure see what we can make happen but um yeah it's going to be a, a fun little experiment for everybody yep. and there's no end to this in sight correct like i mean you've got i mean you as far as you're heading out into the world to yep. be full-time overlanders and content creators yeah there's no end in sight as far as we know but nope. um yeah we've given us given ourselves permission this time to take breaks if we need it. Mm -hmm. uh, that was an important lesson that we learned last time. And also from some other overlanders, we learned that who are well, more well seasoned than we are, but it's okay to take a break. You know, if we need to go home for to home, wherever that is, but um, if we need to see family for a couple months, um, yeah, take that a... opportunity because you can get travel fatigue, which sounds strange, but it, it's real. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. that's, I, I look forward to the book because this is, uh, I see Ashley doing a book on this and, and I, because I see like a, an opportunity for some realism there as far as like, what, what does it look like to really be full-time overlanding? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the pros, the cons, the ups and downs, just all of it. Um, and something like travel fatigue, right? Like where it's a real thing. And so, you know, here's how you can stay out and thrive and not burn yourselves out and that sort of thing. Yep. Yeah, and I think that was one of the like endearing parts of Long Way Round, let's yeah. say, was the real emotion that you saw from, from Charlie and you and, and the production crew. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's real. They're having a, Ewan's having a hard time riding his motorcycle. And it is part of the hero's journey, and it's so much fun to watch mm -hmm. and experience what he's experiencing. It doesn't all have to be beautiful scenics all the time it can be a struggle where you get better at something yeah yeah i just i just rewatched long way around yeah. and uh i i know exactly what you're talking about like i just appreciated some of the gritty aspects of that journey that made them question the whole thing to begin with yep um and so yeah i can i i would enjoy seeing a little more of that done at that level of filming too be really cool yeah 
Yeah, we'll try to limit the complaining, but we'll show some realism in there. <laughs> um, so you mentioned, you know, UK is the starting point, and then eventually down into Spain, which oh, this, that's a place I would love to travel to. Um, any other just like big picture concepts of where you would like this journey to take you? Any like one or two places that are high on your list to ultimately get to that we mm. could look forward to? Um, I've been doing some digging into Northwestern Africa just to see what's over there and see how far south we can go uh, without getting into some really challenging borders and carnet de passage issues. So I'm really looking forward to that and looking forward to seeing some Sahara Desert and uh, yeah, beyond. Um, I don't know about you. Yeah, same. That's generally just excited to get there. To, to Morocco and see where we can kind of spread out from there. And then at, once we're kind of done with that area, we'll be popping back into Europe and heading east. And no real goals, but nothing's off the table, which is fun. Yeah, things yeah. shift pretty quickly. Um, and so I think that's the best thing about not having a plan at this point. Like plan enough so that right. you have sort of a loose plan and then you know throw it away if you need to yeah and plan enough as in let's not use too much of our Schengen time just in case we want to travel across Europe and take a little bit of time um, and have that opportunity so we don't use it all up and have to wait three months in Morocco when we really want to be you know getting to Turkey let's say right right and so. given the dynamics of the world that's probably a healthy useful approach yeah, to take it's having that flexibility well Super exciting. I, I cannot wait to see how this plays out and to check out your content, uh, both Ashley's articles, which I know will come, and Richard, you know, your photographs and filming that it's going to show up in the series. Looking forward to it. Yeah, this is, this is really exciting for all of us. So thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you. Uh, the next time we all meet for this, I can only imagine the stories that will be told. We could do it remote. We just got Starlink. <laughs> <laughs> which, which is a crazy thing because when we went to South America, we didn't even have a cell phone plan. We didn't bring anything yeah. with now, us. Now we you have Starlink. Wild, wild. It's, it's crazy. Well, yeah. that'll be the next one. We'll, we'll be using Starlink and we'll give it a go and see yeah. where you guys are at and what you're doing. Perfect. Awesome. All right. Thanks for being on the show today. Thanks, Jimmy. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for joining us. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. It really helps. We appreciate your support. And until next time, stay adventurous. Okay.